hello. Your QL fandom uncle and auntie are here with giant sunglasses, brown liquor in a flask, a folded $5 bill to slip into your hand when nobody's looking, lukewarm takes, occasional rides on the discourse, deep dives into artistry and industry, and most importantly, simping. Lots of simping. I'm Ben. I'm Nini. And this is The Conversation. About once a season, we plan to swan in and shoot the shit on faves, flops, and trends that we've been noticing in the BL, GL, or QL industry. Between seasons, you can find us typing way too many words on Tumblr. Welcome, welcome. <sighs> Go ahead. Oh, no, it's fine. You said welcome. I'm not going to do it this time. They won't get it for the wedding plan episode. All right. Welcome, welcome to... I'm just kidding. The... And we're back! <laughs> welcome to the episode that was supposed to be a Secret Admirers episode, but instead is now... The wedding plan episode, because everything else was a bit crap. We wanted to talk about this because we could not believe that this came fully formed from the head of MAME, of all the creatives. We were shocked. I think that the fandom was also kind of shocked. We'll delve a little bit into how that played out when we get into the segment, but when I looked at the trailer, I was like, "Mm, okay, this could be cute. Did not expect to be devastated emotionally at certain points. I don't really think I watched the trailer properly. I went in a little bit hostile because Mame's got a whole thing for boundary crossing. And I was worried going in that this show was just going to be about some rich guy punking around his wedding planner and then, like, cheating on his wife. And that's not the show we got at all. Let's dive into it so you can hear what we had to say. We are talking all things wedding plan. Now, Ben, you and I had agreed some time back, that no matter what happened, we were never going to talk about a meme show on the podcast. And here we are (laughs) talking about a meme show. And there's a really good reason for that. Let's start by talking about what Wedding Plan is about. Ben, do the honors. Wedding Plan is a story about a wedding planner named Namnua who is the ace at his event planning company and a fan of McDonald's who very much sponsored this show. He is tasked with planning the wedding for a very attractive man and his soon-to-be wife. Complications ensue immediately because their wedding is coming up in three months and these two have no idea what they want to do for their wedding and only the groom is the one making choices. We can tell very quickly that the groom, Silom, is flirting with Namnua. Namnua is not stupid and picks up on this. 
the attraction between them is very mutual, but the complications around him being a client and a groom frustrate Namnua. The reveals that eventually come out make this show to be way more than just a closet case trying to hit on his wedding planner. Reveal the reveals, because I feel like it's impossible to talk about this show in any meaningful way without knowing what the twist is. Right, so Siloam and Yiwa, his bride, are in a lavender wedding. So for well over 140 years, we've had a term to describe queer people choosing to present themselves as heterosexually entwined for mutual benefit and safety. In this case, Siloam and Yiwa hail from fairly wealthy families that are extremely restrictive. The two of them recognized their own queerness at a very young age and understood that they needed to hide that information. While on a trip in Europe, the two of them recognized the queerness in each other when they both had a strong emotional reaction to seeing two women publicly kiss and then became each other's best fucking friends for life and decided to protect each other. Yiwa ends up developing a very meaningful romance with a woman named Marine, and she convinces Siloam to marry her so that they can both get out from under their families and they have a long-term plan to divorce. So when Siloam is flirting with Namnua, Yiwa is 100% aware of it and extremely supportive of it because she doesn't want her friend, who she treats like a brother, to be lonely all the time. That basically sums it up in terms of the mechanics of the plot. But guys, the reason that we're here talking about a meme show is... This hit me right in the fucking throat, man. It was so real in a way that I've never gotten from a meme show. It felt like meme almost apologizing to BL for some of the shit that she's done. It felt like... Mame trying to gain some understanding and learn some shit and show that she had learned some shit. Just so we get a bunch of stuff out on the table for the listeners. What are some things that Mame has done that you think she should apologize for? (laughs) Where do I even begin? Mame work tends to lean very heavily into traumatizing already traumatized people i have mixed feelings about a lot of memes work there are sometimes i'm just like oh fuck you and then there's sometimes where they're like i see where you're trying to go with this but you didn't have the skill and then there are times i'm just like ma'am get the hell out Something like this that I don't have any mixed feelings about. I just feel strongly positive about it. It's never happened to me before with a work. Not ever. And it made me recalibrate in my head a little bit. Because it's still only one show. Maybe where I should place Mame as a creative. I have a list. (laughs) (laughs) Go on ahead. Read. Let's start with Love by Chance. 
There are four goddamn couples in Love by Chance. Only one couple is remotely stable. We really only talk about A and Pete because we do not need to talk about the other three. Mame loves to question the line between crossing boundaries and romance. There's Ten and Can, who were the focus of Love by Chance 2. Which I did not watch. Then there's Kangla and Techno. And Kangla is paying Techno's brother for information on him to eventually date rape him. I mean, that happened in Love by Chance. (laughs) Then there's Tom and Tar, who are brothers, and Tar was a victim of horrendous acts by characters from Tarn Type. Moving on to Tarn Type, a show that I will not watch for multiple reasons, some of them fandom related that we are not going to get into in this podcast. But the idea that Tarn is going to teach Type that he's actually into men without his consent. Yikes. I don't care how it ends up resolving. The wall is real fucking high for me on that one. Didn't they have a spinoff with the other guys who don't say no? I'm not talking about that. Then we get to Love in the Air, which I mostly enjoyed, but why do both of the Ukes in that show have to get kidnapped in their final episodes. Why? It's so unnecessary. Rain and Sky were straight up kidnapped as the final complication of their show. It's insane. I did not watch Love in the Air. So every time you say that, I'm just like, that's a thing that actually happened. So this is the difference with Wedding Plan. Wedding Plan is so straightforward. There is no major complication to Wedding Plan. Everything that happens in this show flows naturally from the base conceit that two people involved in a lavender wedding are dealing with some difficulties and frustrations as that approaches and then make logical choices for their characters in response to everything that's going on. And it kind of surprised me how much I ended up really loving this show. It's interesting for me that Yiwa and Maureen's relationship is the reason why the wedding is occurring. I've never really cared about heterosexual weddings in a lot of these shows and stories that I watch. But I feel so much about the way Lom and Yiwa care about each other and protect each other. Lom is agreeing to this sham wedding going to eventually lead to a bunch of complications in his life because he's trying to protect his friend. Normally in a story like this, there'd be all this tension about the groom struggling with his sexual identity and what he wants for himself and the girl's going to get hurt along the way. He feels loyal to the girl. We can't just do her like that. In this show, Lom is withholding information about the specifics about his relationship with Yiwa from Namnua because he's protecting her. The crux of the romantic drama of this show was about a gay man in the closet 
protecting a gay woman in the closet. UN Marine's relationship is the key to the whole story, but the relationship between Yuan and Silom is the core relationship. The fact that they're doing this for each other, the fact that they care about each other so deeply, the fact that they basically decided long ago that they were the people who mattered to each other. And then as people come into their lives who are maybe somebody they might be interested in building a life with, it becomes a decision for everybody as to whether this person gets let in. I would have loved to see how it went when Yiwa decided that she wanted to be with Maureen. I understand that's not the point of this particular story, but I would have been fascinated to see how that played out. By the time we joined the story, Maureen's on the inside. She's 100% bought in. Maureen has made the decision to be in the closet with Yiwa, which is sad in one way, but it's so freeing for them in another because of what Silom has done for them. They can be happy. And they are happy. (laughs) They're happy and they're in love and they're part of this family of the two of them and Silom. It made me smile just watching them be with each other as a family unit. And then Lum meeting Nua, when you're going to bring somebody into a secret like that, you have to be 100% sure. And not just you, everybody has to be on board with it. It's not polyamorous, but it's polyamorous. <laughs> I guess is the best way to describe it. Everybody has to be on board with what's happening. It's not just a question of, do I like this person? It's a question of, is this person a safe person? It's a question of, do the other people involved in this like this person? It's a question of, is this a person who I can share this secret with? But it's also, as it comes down to later in the story, a question of Lom knowing that he couldn't ask. He couldn't ask Nua to be a part of the secret. He could just tell Nua what was happening and he could just hope and pray. And I don't even think that he dared to hope. And I think that's what the crying was about when Nua decided that he was going to become part of the family. Lom broke down when Nua said to him, I'm going to help you keep your secret. Because he knew he couldn't ask it of him. And the fact that he freely offered it just brought Lom to tears. The show is amazing. The show is emotionally sound. The show is beautiful. And I got so mad watching this show get misunderstood. And if I was mad, Ben was incandescent. (laughs) Ben, you take the floor and tell him why you're mad, son. I'm going to talk about the closet for a little bit. It felt like a lot of the people who are reacting to this show have not been in the closet. I was in the closet for 11 years. Your brain does not work the same way on the inside. And I'm going to say, frankly, to anybody who thought Lom should have told Nem Nua a lot sooner than he did, when you've been in the closet for 13 years, you do not tell someone you have a crush on 
in two months of knowing them. Not when the stakes are as high as they are. The reason they're in the closet is because there will be severe and painful consequences for failing to maintain a heteronormative status quo. The big thing that separates Lom from Nemnua is Nemnua is out. The truth about who Nemnua is cannot harm him. Nemnua develops feelings for Lom and tells his boss. And she says, there's nothing wrong with you having a crush on the guy. He's hot. You know what the professional boundaries are, though. Do you need me to step in and take care of this for you? And Nemnua said no. When Namnua fell for Lom, before they hooked up, he called his mom and said, Mom, I think I fucked up. And she's like, sometimes we fuck up, baby boy. Come home if you need me. And after he hooked up with Lom, that's what he did. He went home and he told his mom flat out, that thing I told you about, yeah, I think I went too far. And she held him and let him be a mess about it. Because she understood that he already knew that he put himself in a really untenable situation and she didn't pile on. They protected him. Namnua can be honest about who he is. And whenever he tells the people who matter to him about something that happened, they close ranks around him and protect him. At the point at which Lom is trying to chase after Namnua, every woman in his life, pulled out their claws and was ready to slit that man's throat. They were all ready to throw hands with this man. But when you're in the closet, your brain doesn't work right. You are under constant surveillance to maintain the heteronormative veneer over your life. The show does not make this hypothetical. Their friends and family are snapping pictures of them in public and questioning every relationship they have with someone other than Lom and Yiwa. Lom is sitting at the table with Maureen. Yiwa stepped away for a work call, and someone's snapping a photo like, why is Lom on a date with this other girl? She's trying to steal Lom from your daughter. Or, I saw Yiwa hanging out with her best friend. Are they gay? I took some pictures and now I'm telling your mom. When you look at the reason why these two are so vigilant about being in the closet, that's literally what they're experiencing. It's super heavy-handed in this show, but it is exactly the kind of shit that I lived through. Being in the closet because you know that there are consequences and there are dangers breeds hypervigilance. And I'm going to say it really plainly. All of the really negative takes I saw about Lom that were really unsympathetic to what this man went through made me, as a 30-something-year-old gay man who survived being closeted, really extremely uncomfortable. And I really need you to reckon with whatever you were going through that made you turn on a closeted gay man and view him as the evil aggressor party in this particular relationship. Because goddamn, the reason why he chose Namnua to be his wedding planner was because he had a crush on him. 
And when you're in the closet, you need plausible deniability. Lom is towing the line. He can hang out with Namnua and flirt with him because he's talking to his wedding planner. Nobody's going to question him being around a gay man because he's his wedding planner. And that's what the homos do, is they plan events for the rest of us because they're very good at it. The reason why he's being an irritating client is because he wants Namnua to talk to him more. If he's a good client, Namnua's not going to talk to him because Namnua is professional and busy. And Lom admits it. He says in episode six, I believe, because I just rewatched again, that hiring Namnua was just, in his mind, a little bit of fun before he got married. Like He would flirt with the guy that he had a crush on, even if it's a little fucked up to do that, and have a little fun before his wedding. He was not expecting to fall in love with Namnua. But he's got a competency kink, and Namnua is so good at his job. And he likes his job. He likes seeing people happy at the things that he planned for them. And he takes care of people. Lom loves these things in Namnua. This even played it in their sex. He was happy that Namnua was not a virgin. Very tasteful, sir. It being meme, I will confess that up until maybe... Somewhere around the beginning to middle of episode four, I wasn't sure where they were going with this. Let me tell you, I was waiting for her to do some convoluted bullshit as of episode seven. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, the brides run off. And I'm like, there's really only one way this should play out. Closeted people make plans. Iwa is also not stupid. There's this moment in episode six and this is again intentional the editing on this show is actually really crisp we get the really poignant scene on the bridge where Lom talks about the knowing and then nemnu is like we need to fuck right now and then if you have access to Chi, they did and then we get the scene where nemnu agrees to be in the relationship and all that that means the very next scene is Yiwa's mom showing up at Marine's apartment to accost her and slap her, which is immediately followed by Yiwa running back to the condo. And the way she enters that apartment, she genuinely thought that Marine might have left her. For as happy as they seem, Yiwa never underestimates or undervalues the stress that she's putting Marine under. When she enters the room and Marine hasn't run away, but is just laying in bed, clearly spent from all of this, that's the moment that breaks Yiwa. And then we flash forward three weeks to the wedding, and she's run off with Marine and leaves a note. Lom knows her. He was not phased by this at all. After he's done putting on his jilted groom act, He's laughing. He's like, I know what that cheeky girl did. I can't believe she did this without telling me. <laughs> Look at this stupid note. <laughs> I can read between the lines. And then they call her and she's like, I knew you would understand my note. That's my boy. Don't fuck this up. I'll take this on for you. Yiwa takes on the social pariah role here of being the lesbian who ran away the day of the wedding, leaving Lom at the altar. 
How dare she? The power here is that Yiwa doesn't give a fuck anymore. That's the whole thing about heteronormative shame. It only matters where you can exert that influence over people. Yiwa and Marine said, we cannot exist the way we want to. So we are leaving and going somewhere else. That is a choice a lot of us choose to make, to leave our home communities, to go build community with other people elsewhere. And then she gives Lom the ability to spin that, to soft launch his relationship with Nua, because they don't come out as a couple for like six months after that. They put on the act of Lom being a drunken mess for months. He's fine. Just spraying alcohol on himself and then going to work with his hair unkempt. Episode 7 is so delightful, but anyway, continue. And he's just hanging out with Nua, and he just tells people, yeah, we bonded over the wedding stuff because we had a lot of work to do really quickly for the wedding. And, you know, he felt sympathy for me afterwards. He took care of me at a really difficult time. And I feel comfortable with him. I loved Yiwa. She was the only woman I was ever willing to marry. Not a lie but also not the exact truth. (laughs) I loved the big lie at the end because it was basically Lom, Yiwa, and everybody in the situation putting two giant middle fingers up at their society and the people around them. Aside from the people who, as you rightly said, would have protected them anyway. So all the women in Noah's life. And the people who he works with at the wedding planning company. Basically, the people who earn the right to know the truth, know the truth. And everybody else gets two giant fucking middle fingers and the big lie. It's a little bit like the ending with Bad Buddy. About them breaking up publicly, but still being together. It's the same question. Who is allowed to know? Something for you to think about if you didn't get this show. And you hated Lom and all this sort of stuff. Ask yourself if the queer people in your life trust you. Would you be brought in? Would you be trusted with this information? Lom's mother realizes along the way what was going on the whole time because she's not stupid. And she says quite plainly, because Lom has not properly come out to her yet. He's been hinting at it. He's like, I feel comfortable with him, Mom. And she says, I'm still doing what I need to do to process this. But just promise me you won't leave. What she recognized is that she was playing a zero-sum game that she could lose. That her son could make the same choice as Yiwa. She recognized that he and Yiwa were likely withholding important information about themselves from their parents for a really long time. And that can be really unsettling. It's something I went through with my family when I started coming out, that people were very put off by how I just hid hugely important portions of my life from them for most of my life. And she recognized that if she pushed too hard, she would get nothing. 
it really is the bad buddy conundrum because this is where their parents are at the end where they know but if they're not willing to fully be on board then they don't get to fully know and they don't get to be fully involved lom's mom knows but until and unless she's willing to wholeheartedly accept Noah, there will always be now, at this point, a barrier between her and her son. All she can ask of him is that he doesn't leave. But beyond that, she doesn't get to ask anything of him until and unless she is ready to fully accept every part of who he is. I can't believe that came from Mame's pen. Something else I really love, I really love the community around Nua, particularly his family. I love when he goes back to Chiang Mai and he sees that his little cousin is also out and proud now and has a hot boyfriend. And I love that son, Ryu's boyfriend, is immediately engaged in in-law solidarity with Silom. Nua's family hates him and he's like, valid. They're like, if you want to stay here, you got to work. Okay. And he just works. Nua's family is protecting Nua from someone who they think doesn't respect him. Everything mean that they're doing to Silom is because they are protecting Nua. And it's really not that much what they're asking. They're basically just giving him a difficult time until Nua decides what to do with him. But Sun is helping him the whole time. He's like, this family is very difficult. I got you, bro. That pairs really well with the phone call that Nua has with Yiwa and Marine, where Yiwa is like, Lom and I do love each other. That is my ride or die. It's been me and him for a long time. I'm not going to pretend that he is not the most important man in my life. But he's not who I'm building my future with. I love that for Yiwa and Silom, it is love between them. The heteros just misread it, but they don't have to fake an admiration for each other. I love that Marine talks to Nua and talks about the sincerity of their feelings and how she's okay at this point, because she's the only person that Nua can really accept any sort of perspective from. And I'm really glad that they had that moment and that was just them. I love that in that moment, she doesn't try to convince him of anything. She just says, I can't tell you what to do. This is a crazy situation. Here's what I accepted about this. Here's why I accepted it. These people are good people. Right. She says their love is sincere. Yeah, but whatever decision you make, I completely get. Because I made my choice. You're going to have to make your own choice as well. She spoke to Nua very candidly, and I truly appreciated that. And I think that Nua definitely appreciated that too. I love the reveal about Siloam's hands always being cold because he was... (laughs) It was one of those romance things that I'm just like, eh, about. But it was adorable. It was. I really like Pack in this role. A lot of the times when Mame writes her ukes, they tend to be a little bit on the demure side, 
and they usually need a stern counterbalancing presence for them. I really like that Nua did not need that at all. I also liked how queer Nam Nua felt. He very much feels like a gay boy. I love stories about love and family. And this is one of the ultimate love and family stories. For me, and I can't believe I'm saying this, when it comes to love and family, it's going maybe a half step behind Moonlight Chicken this year for me. I can't believe that just came out of my mouth about a meme show. But that's really, truly how I feel about it. For me, it was a 10. I ended up giving this show a 9.5. It's one of the ones that's going to linger with me for a while. And I think a big part of it was just how much everyone else really hated this show. I think we went into this show with a lot of main blinders on. I knowingly went into this show hostile. I don't really like a lot of what Mame does, but respectfully, watching a Mame show, the writer famous for writing romances about boundary crossing and being mad that her characters are crossing boundaries is a little bit disingenuous of a place to write your criticism from. That's her shtick. Nua crosses those boundaries too. Nua had agency. And I really resent the way a lot of the takes damsel him and make him seem powerless. He's not. He is the one with all the power here. It's why Siloam is pouring everything he can into every time he says, I like you, Nua. Siloam is such a sap. And y'all really hated that man. And I really need y'all to reckon with that. Like, if you listen to us and you hated Siloam, please examine your life. I have a smidge of sympathy up until episode four for anybody who struggled a little bit with Siloam, but only up until episode four. Because somewhere to the beginning, middle of episode four, it was very clear what they were driving towards. And then at the end of episode four, when Siloam and Noah hook up for the first time, I said to myself, okay, I see where this is going. And then when they get to Chiang Mai and Siloam finally tells Nua what happens because Maureen and Yuwa have given their okay. And Nua said, duh, clearly that's what's going on. I already knew that. Nua wasn't fooled by Siloam. No, Nua basically guessed 90% of it accurately. The only thing he didn't really guess was that they were both in on it. Let me say this as well while we're here. In terms of queer solidarity, Nam Nua never once outed Yiwa when he caught her out with Marine. He did not mention that once. Not at all. He didn't tell none of his hoes. He didn't tell none of his people. He caught those two out, was like, oh shit, is my gaydar broken? And then he didn't say shit about that. He didn't even hold that up in his whole thing with Siloam. And I respect the fuck out of that man for that. Because that's not his thing to say. The show is amazing. It really is. It's, for me, an easy cruise into some type of vibe award at the end of the year. It's going to be a difficult year for us when we're sorting out 
acknowledging the incredible work that's been done. But this is one of them. Delightful, emotional, deeply gratifying, deeply satisfying. Ben gave this a 9.5. I gave it a 10. Let's call it a 9.75. They can't get a 10 from the conversation. You heard it here first, folks. Ben says it can get a 10 from the conversation. Mame gets 10 from us, and nobody is more surprised than us. It's true. That that is a thing that happened on this show. I feel so intense about this show. I get so mad about the discourse around Silom. He's one of those characters, like, if you don't like him, I don't like you. Fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a word. And we're back. I have so much more to say. I am not through. (laughs) So before we get into Ben's and another thing, let's talk a little bit about the Wedding Plan special. Because there was a special episode that cost $8. (laughs) I paid 7 for my rental. However much it costs, it costs money. Which I'm slightly salty about because Mame had McDonald's money on this. She didn't need ours. In her defense, she has done this on literally every show. Except for Love by Chance. And don't say no. McDonald's money. That's all I'm gonna say. And she cashed in. Good for her. (laughs) Anyway, so let's talk a little bit about the Wedding Plan special. Ben, tell the people what it was about. The show's fucking called Wedding Plan. It was a fucking wedding, guys. Like, (laughs) listen, we're not going to beat around a fucking wish on this one. It was the wedding for the gays. It was really beautiful. The basic premise is the guys have been dating properly for what feels like a year, year and a half at this point. They're taking a trip to go back to see Namnua's family. Before they leave, they have one final check-in with Lom's mom, where she meets Nua properly as Lom's boyfriend. She doesn't take it very well, but Silom does not give a shit. Meanwhile, Silom is working with Wewa Square to organize a secret wedding for Nam Nua. Hilariously, M still does not like Silom, and I thought that was an excellent character detail. So they go and travel back to the north, and Silom has Nua taking him around, I think they were in Chiang Mai, to check out sites and locations, while everyone else has moved to Nam Nua's house to set up for this wedding that Nam Nua doesn't know about. Lom proposes to him. They end up having the wedding the next day. It's this incredibly beautiful ceremony. It's very traditional Thai, I believe. There's more I want to say about some of the stuff that happened at the wedding, but that's the basic premise. Lom organizes a wedding for Namnua and his friends plan it in secret, which I actually think is lovely for a wedding planner, that he didn't have to plan his own wedding. That's the crux of it. You guys know, I am not the one, the two, or the three for these weddings. I believe in marriage. I believe in the importance of marriage. 
I am generally not a fan of the weddings, but this one, it was beautiful. I do have to say it was a beautiful wedding. Everything around the wedding was beautiful. When I was talking about wedding plan in the main part of the show, I was talking about how much I love love and family. And that was what the wedding episode was about. It was love and family. Iwa and Maureen were there at the wedding being Siloam's family because while his mom is starting to come around to Noah, she's still not there yet. So she doesn't get to be a part of this. So Iwa and Maureen are his family. They show up for him. They are hosting on his behalf. It's beautiful. It's just so beautiful. I did not praise Peck Pie enough in our recording. Peck Pie's reaction as Nua to Yiwa appearing before him for this wedding that he had just found out about is one of the most perfect expressions I've seen all year. Because he hasn't seen them since they left for England. I am a gay boy who believes in community. And believes in gay people taking care of each other. And that means that I have worked in solidarity with lesbians. And it is such a beautiful thing for me. In this year of really good shows. To see two lesbians in a critical role in the lives of gay men. There's something so special about the unconditional ride-or-die love between Yiwa and Lom and how that extends to Marine and Nua and creates this very special little family unit. I cannot overstate how important it is to me that Nua almost cried because he was overwhelmed with emotion getting to see Yiwa in front of him again and for a wedding that he had just found out about. That was his first reaction. Awe, and then he burst into tears because he loved her so much and had missed her for that long. That is so beautiful. As for the other things in the special, the ceremony itself is really beautiful. There's a lot of really great moments in there. There's this very special moment between Nemnua and M, where... She comes to pay respects, and he takes her hand, and he says, I love you, in this way that conveys a very special history between the two of them that sent me over the edge, and I burst into tears right away. I do not know what those two have been through together, but that I love you was one of the most effective I love yous I have ever experienced in this genre. And it was not between romantic leads at all. We always go up for the non-romantic I love yous in BL. It's the Jim and Lee Ming thing all over again. Namnua's co-workers being there for him at his wedding. The way that they put it together for him. The way that Maureen and Yiwa stepped in to be Lom's family. The way Nua's actual family stepped in as well. There's a gorgeous scene after the actual wedding ceremony where they do, I suppose this is another traditional part of a Thai wedding, which is a bedding, where 
Nua's parents are with them in the room and talking to them about love and commitment and marriage. And that's the part that put me into tears. It was really funny because we had not really seen any of the dads in the show. Moms were a big deal in the show. Nua's dad is just this sweet man. It was overwhelming for me how just beautifully sweet this man was and the way he was pouring love out to Siloam because he's like, I never thought Nua would get to have this. Nua, the wedding planner who spends so much of his time trying to make sure other people's dreams come true. I was floored by his dad just sitting there. I just wanted my son to be happy. And I'm so thankful that you were able to do that for him. And I was like, I don't know who you are, sir, but good job. It was really, really gorgeous. And just so many other things. Also, the stuff that's happening between Siloam and Nua. The way that Siloam proposes and the way that Nua knew it was coming, but he still got surprised by the way that it happened. That was gorgeous. And then again, after the wedding and after the bedding, when it's just the two of them in the room, and Nua does the thing where he pays respect to his husband and says that that's something that he always wanted to do. The way that these two take marriage so seriously, and especially the way that Nua feels about it, because like I said, Nua is a wedding planner. He sees weddings every day. He sees these rituals and ceremonies and everything every day. And I can just imagine him sitting, thinking to himself, one day, one day, and this is something that I want to do with my husband. And this is something that I want to do with my husband. I can just imagine that. And then meeting Siloam and falling in love with Siloam and actually getting to marry Siloam and being able to do that and the way that he is so emotional about that. Mm, got me right in the feels. The reason that I tend not to like weddings is because a lot of the time I find them so artificial, so stage managed and overproduced. I'm talking about this not just in terms of weddings in fiction, but weddings in real life. So watching something so sincere, something so genuine, something so personal. It's a production, yes, all weddings are, but it was real. Everything about it was so real. It was so emotional. It was so... It was great. It was fantastic. I thoroughly enjoyed that. I cried more than once watching the special. It just added to the joy of discovering Wedding Plan and this whole little universe and these characters. There was a lot of little stuff happening around that. Like one of the things that I think Mame is actually pretty good at is really caring about her supporting cast in a useful way. She's very good about understanding like why that character is there. There's Yiwa and Maureen getting to have a private moment, being a little bit sad that they didn't get to have this. A Thai wedding with the people who love them around them. And I like that they got to have like a quiet, bitter moment about that. And I like that they didn't put that on Lom and Nua. It's not something that they need to be consoled about. It's just one of those things that hurts about being queer sometimes. And that's part of the choice they made. They did take on that hurt to give the boys a chance to be together, but it's still hurt. And I like that the show never forgot that. 
this show cared about its lesbians. They mattered to the story. They weren't there just to check off boxes to make sure that we covered all of our bases. They were still telling their story. I love Sun and Ryu listening at their goddamn bedroom and then having to be chased off. Great comedy. But also, I loved it. I love that there were younger gays excited about gays slightly older than them getting to have their moment together. It was such a special execution of that. I genuinely like that the wedding plan special episode is treated as a special episode. I like where the show ends for itself. I like thinking about the wedding as a special epilogue for the story and not necessarily as the actual finale of the story. I think it's better as epilogue content. I have to agree. So all in all, when it comes down to wedding plan, looking back at it now, I think we definitely stand by how we felt about it. I think that I have, you know, Ben has gotten even more in love with it and even more, I think, defensive and vocal about it because it's good. It's just good. And I don't like people saying it's not. That's it for me. This is the number four or five show of the year for me. Yeah, there you have it. Currently, it's behind in no specific order because we're not at the Vibe Awards yet. Moonlight Chicken, My School President, La Pluie, and probably the Eighth Sense. It's that good. I am in this genre for queer cinephile reasons. I am here to connect with people for gay reasons. I'm not in this for taboo or to see cute boys kiss each other because it's titillating in and of itself. I exist as a queer person. It informs my decisions on the regular. And it was such a relief to see characters that were not incidentally gay so that we can imagine two idols bumping uglies. I really love Siloam and Nam Nua so much. Siloam got updated to Blorbo status so quickly. Every week, I'll just send Nini a gif of Siloam and be like, they really hated this man. <laughs> He's not even kidding. This literally happened. <laughs> it'll, just, it'll be just a great gift that somebody made of Siloam, and I'll be like, they really hated this man. Something else I want to say quite plainly here, and I would like you as a listener to the podcast to reckon with this, and I would really like to talk about this, so please talk to me on Tumblr about this. Part of why I think Wedding Plan did not hit for people is that Namnua doesn't look like a girl and doesn't behave like a girl. He behaves like a kind of femme man, and he feels very gay in a way that is distinctly masculine. Additionally, the show doesn't really conform to a semi-uke dynamic very well 
because Namnua does semi things. Like I noticed in episode two that he does a Cabadon on Siloam, and I know that bothered a lot of the people who are obsessed with loyalty to the tropes. Namnua is so self-assured, and I don't necessarily think that that resonated for the people who are in this for BL reasons and for regular romance beats. And I wonder a lot if that was their big problem. I would really like to have a secondary conversation with the folks who listen to us about this particular dynamic, because I do think it's worth us unpacking why people, as much shit that gets talked about MAME, refuse to engage with the show. This is legitimately one of the top queer narratives of the year. And we snubbed this show. I have watched people talk shit about Mame and her writing for five fucking years. And when she writes a whole show that is basically the byproduct of all of our feedback, we snubbed it. When Mame returns to her roots, I don't want to hear none of y'all who snubbed Wedding Plan saying a goddamn thing about her. I'm so mad at you for saying when Meme returns to her roots. Like, this was clearly a fluke. She's gonna be like Jafar. She's gonna be like, let's see how snake-like I can be, bitches! So you definitely are of the view that this is not a change for Meme. This was just a detour. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I was not expecting wedding plan. This show has so much goddamn heart to it. And it was gay. In a real way. I think you need to start subscribing to my vibes-based scoring method. What? Absolutely not! (laughs) (laughs) No, it's always about the recommends. Legitimately, it's a 10 recommend. Everyone needs to go fucking watch this show. This is essential viewing for this year. This show represents a fascinating growth point for MAME. Because we've criticized her for five years, and she made something that is one of the most wholesome gay things I have ever watched in this genre. And we snubbed it and threw it away. To the cast of Wedding Plan, you all did a fantastic job, and I hope you all had a really fun time together. I want to thank every single one of you for the work you all did, because you all collectively created one of the most compelling community support systems I've ever seen in queer TV, truly. Especially to all of the women who are on that cast. BL women get messed around a lot and don't often get to do a lot of great stuff, and every single one of you did a fantastic job. That is going to wrap us up on the wedding plan episode. We out. Say bye to the people, then. Y'all better watch this fucking show. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>